what's 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 the deal with your uh, w- with your nose? Did, did somebody punch you for having a very uh, astute opinion about a movie or something? For for having a punchable face? Is that what yeah, told? Yeah. No, 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 nothing like that. Uh, dermatologist, old friend. It's time for the dermatology appointment. Oh, okay. All right. You know, I go rooting around in there because uh, God bless my father, but he has given me uh, awful skin. <laughs> You know, no matter how much I exfoliate, shave, whatnot, they always find something going on here that's got to get burned off or frozen off or biopsied or, you know, just nonsense. Uh, by the way, thanks for tuning in. We're uh, we're two lonely PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Uh, and uh, dermatological matters aside, uh, our main thing is that we talk about uh, films uh, and the movie business, the movie biz the hot goss going on usually in the movie biz. I don't know. We haven't really done a, done a hot goss section. Have we? I don't think so. I don't think so. Other than me, you know, taking a big shit on Marvel for its v- treatment of VFX. <laughs> right. 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 Well, we Which had is- some, uh, we had some passings this week, right? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Olivia Newton, John, which you're going to get into and um, Wolfgang Peterson, a very famous never ending story. I, I, you know, just if that 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 movie doesn't make you cry, I just I don't know what to do with you. Uh, you know that that's just heartbreaking, man. Still, I think I think I put that scene of Never Ending Story up against just about anything. The scene mm-hmm. where Artax dies, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The horse yes. dies in the in the swamp, and oh, God. that that's crushing. That's just a yeah. crushing emotional scene, brilliantly played. But I put that up against any movie, like you know one of those famous crying scenes or whatever you know mm-hmm. uh I, I i put that on top 10 because uh that just you know i think i was 10 or 11 when i saw that for the first time yeah maybe maybe 12 maybe i think that came out in 83 mm-hmm. or 84 and uh mm-hmm. i i just it just ripped my soul as it does i think everybody when they see it uh we watched a couple films this week uh on our slate as uh, dr watson mentioned earlier Olivia Newton-John passed away, uh, who was one of those, she just seemed to always be around when we were growing up. She was on the radio. She was in the movies. She was on TV. It was just like, she's just one of those performers, you know, and and from what I've read this week, a genuinely nice person, just a real genuinely sweet, nice, very co-op, you know, people loved working with her and that comes across on screen. Uh, uh, I watched, uh, or I should say, I rewatched Xanadu, uh, from uh, Robert Greenwald, 1980, and I have a lot to say about that film. Dr. Watson watched uh, uh, Prey, which is the recent released Predator prequel, uh, directed by Dan Trachtenberg. Um, so, uh, I'm I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump jump in here too. Uh, I know you need a, and I know you need a break. So, no, uh, no, I just I you know Xanadu, Jeff. Yeah, is um. It's it's on a list of me for me of mm-hmm. uh, deeply deeply personal film. Oh wow! Uh, so I I when you said you were going to do it, mm. I almost texted you and said, <laughs> "Please don't. I want to do it." But oh, okay, no 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 no, no 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 because we've never we you and I've never talked about this right. Like if someone Xanadu picks- has never came up in 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 any in in God we've known each other almost 30 years yeah long time xanadu i cannot recall it ever 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 coming up 
ever in any conversation? Well, probably for reasons that you're going to point out. Uh, there mm-hmm. were there were a number of years where you know you had your guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. and you kind of kept them very close to the chest, right? Because you didn't uh, want to be outed. <laughs> you, you didn't want to be outed. Um, you know, because Xanadu has a very, very intense cult fan following. Like there's a lot of people that love that movie and, um, for a lot of different nostalgic reasons. And, um, I can tell you that, uh, Balmoral cinema summer of 80, I went to see meteor with Sean Connery followed Mm by Xanadu then followed at the end of the night by flash Gordon. This is is when they used to do triple features, right? Oh, my God. And you paid 99 cents and you got to see all three movies, right? And you saw uh, Flash on the big screen. I did. I did. And it was the first time it was was the first time I'd seen any of those movies. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Xanadu was that was just a magical cinema experience. The whole movie is, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're going to get into this. I'll shut up. But like it's (laughs) it's magical. Uh, and it just transported me, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to to a whole different way of seeing the world and a whole different mm-hmm. way of thinking about romance and mm-hmm. thinking about music and and inspiration and artistic mm-hmm. inspiration and mm-hmm. all, all of these kinds of <laughs> entrepreneurship. Right. All of that is kind sure. of woven into into Xanadu. Interesting. But um, but I am I am uh, uh thrilled that you picked it because it's important especially given um her recent passing mm-hmm. to uh to revisit because i think most people think greece first you know with her right and, you know and 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 understandably i mean greece is all time uh it will always be in our culture it will always circulate you know it's not like schools are doing the xanadu play although i know there there is but my understanding of the xanadu play is that it's a bit campy and a and kind of takes a little bit of a ribbing you know what i mean like it's it's very tongue-in-cheek is what yes. my understanding of it is that is correct i've seen yes. it staged once and it was very um i mean i enjoyed it but it's a different experience and they definitely yeah. embrace the cheese yes yeah. that's that's fair to say yes well for those of you who don't know xanadu uh came out in 1980 uh, it was directed by robert greenwald a brief synopsis here is this a muse a greek muse from mythology played by olivia newton john inspires a young artist played by Michael Beck and an aging musician played by the amazing Gene Kelly in his last performance uh, to open a roller disco palace. Woo! Roller boogie. Yeah. So look, I'm not here to condemn this film, nor am I going to sell it as a cult classic. Okay. The, 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 the problems of Xanadu are not novel. Rather, they're common mistakes that filmmakers and production houses can, you know, that they can make. And, you know, with that said, I'm just, you know, for the record, this film is not a disaster. This film is not a turkey. This film is not, does not deserve the, the beating uh, it has taken historically. Uh, in fact, this could have been, as you clearly were talking about earlier, this was a, it could be a very unique movie going experience and an interesting update to the musical film genre. It was really trying to mash up the forties and the late seventies in, in really (laughs) interesting and and often misguided ways. But the real question I had as I was watching it and then later, you know, listening to the soundtrack again, you know, I'm like, well, 
there are two questions. One, uh, who are the creatives in control of this? And two, what can what can we surmise about the film, right? Based on what we see as finished product on the screen, based on what we know about the people who created it, mm-hmm. right? This is this is like baby step analysis, right? Like this is what right. we try to teach students. It's just like why why do people think this film is a turkey? Well, let's find out, right? So let's walk through. I just want to walk through this just a little bit because it's so easy, especially now. In, in, in the culture and the climate that we're in to just take a big old shit on something, you know, mm-hmm. it's just so easy, you know, uh, uh, but, but what we're trying to do here is, is, is again, try to dig a little bit and discuss to, to under, understand where the misses come from. Right. So let's, let's start with, I'm going to start with this list of creatives on this. Okay. Robert Greenwald, this was his first film. Okay. He had directed TV movies, including, Great. Sharon, Portrait of a Mistress. Katie, Portrait of a Centerfold. Are you seeing a pattern? (laughs) In Flatbed Annie and Sweetie Pie, Lady Truckers. These were his three films that he did before he got hired to direct Xanadu. A $20 million budgeted, big budget universal picture with Olivia Newton-John and Gene Kelly. They're giving it to this guy, right? Right. And all I can think is just like, so. So let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep going here with this. Uh, he would go on after Xanadu, right, to direct The Burning Bed uh, with Farrah Fawcett, which is a very famous TV movie, uh, mm-hmm. which helped start a lot of conversations about domestic violence. Yes. Uh, in the 21st century, he started Brave New Films, which is a nonprofit production company that focuses on politics you know, and other issues. So he decided to become a documentarian, you know, this, at this point, last 20 years of his life. And apparently they're, I haven't seen any of them, but apparently they're one, they're really good. Um, So this is an interesting guy, right? In other words, so here we have the hiring of a first time cinema director who's really rooted in realism. And you're Mm -hmm. asking him to direct a mega fantasy musical. Okay. That's strike one. Right. right and that's right. not robert greenwald's fault right right it's just like okay you know of course he's going to take the job you, you you're offered finally to get your first cinematic film and it's just like yeah uh, fantasy sure why not you know sign me up fantasy. Yeah. Right. right okay his dop was victor kemper victor kemper i'm going to give a list real quick of his filmography he has been the director of photography on husbands for john cassavetes the Candidate for Michael Ritchie, The Hospital for Arthur Hiller, The Friends of Fucking Eddie Coyle for Peter Yates, Dog Day Afternoon for Sidney Lumet, Stay Hungry for Bob Rafelson, Mikey and Nikki for Elaine May, Slapshot for George Roy Hill, The Eyes of Laura Mars for Kirsch. Come on, man. Like, it, it's, that's insane. Like, you, you, you know, and again, he's a realism guy. Right. Like it's just, you know, but I'm going to say this Xanadu is really expertly shot. Like, you know, you can see it like it's a beautiful movie. shot. It's it's yeah. it's really and that comes through in, in, in Kemper's, you know, style, you know, uh, the editor on this film was was Dennis Verkler. 
uh, he had worked on before Xanadu three low budget horror films uh, and the final installment in the Bad News Bears series, which was the Bad <laughs> News Bears Go to Japan, which everyone hated, uh, including myself. Um, uh, after Xanadu, though, he would go on to be the editor on Continental Divide, Gorky mm. Park, The Hunt for Red October, mm. The Fugitive. So, you know, it's he's he's had a weird career arc, right? Like pre and post. Uh, uh, I'm sure that when they saw he did the best that he could with mm -hmm. Xanadu, that's what got him to that next, you know, thing. It was just like, right. wow, he took this and, you know, and, and tried to do something. Right, you right. Know, with it. Um, the producers on this film, Lawrence Gordon, who uh, produced Hard Times, The Warriors, 48 Hours, later would produce Predator, Die Hard. Also, this is Joel Silvers, his co-producer on this film, Joey. Unbelievable. Two weeks in a row with me and Joel Silver. Doing he's, he's haunting you. He's haunting, he's haunting you. me, man. Um, original music, Olivia Newton-John and her producer, writer, partner, John Farrer, uh, who also created the physical album, which would come out after the you know, We, You and I know huge. You couldn't get away from it. Like right. it was just, it was everywhere. Uh, Jeff Lynn's ELO. Uh, he's the other major producer and writer. You know, he would go on after ELO to produce the Traveling Wilburys and 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 uh, Bob Dylan and 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 oh my God, so many people, right? I and the songs, I'm alive, magic, all over the world, Xanadu. I mean, this is just it's killer. It's just all killer, man. Uh, it, it, as I said earlier, we've got Gene Kelly. This is his final film. You know, and I did read a quote from Gene Kelly's biography. He said the film was a good concept. It just didn't end up working. Right. How generous was Gene Kelly? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that was that was very kind of him to say. Right. Right. Um, we even have in this film, we have an animated segment from Don Bluth. Uh, who, People forget that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, Anastasia choreographers on this film first time choreographers uh jerry trent and a little fella named kenny ortega uh <laughs> you know of course who would go on and choreograph one from the heart pretty in pink dirty dancing uh direct and choreograph newsies to wong fu to julie newmar this was his first outing so we've got a lot of newbies here right we got all these people being assembled who really are are more realist based and i'm and i keep hammering this point because i think this is very important again trying to 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 figure out why the misses are the misses in this film right mm -hmm. you've got all these cooks from the realism kitchen trying to make a fantasy stew right and you know it's just like they don't there's not a grounding you know, I don't think anyone could go to anyone and go, oh, hey, I've got this idea. And you know what I mean? It's just like when the, the choreographers go up and go, hey, what we want to do is this. You know, I can see, you know, uh, uh, the DOP and even uh, the director going, OK, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. just like they have no they have no basis to right. to to bounce it off. There were a hundred optical effects in this film. The effects producers was a company known as RGA, uh, formerly Robert Greenberg Associates, which was founded in 1977 by two brothers, Richard and Robert Greenberg. Um, Richard was the designer. Robert was the producer and cameraman. Uh, 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 over 40 years now, the company has evolved from a computer-assisted filmmaking studio to a digital design and consulting company as part of a major advertising network. From 1977 to 1985, 
Uh, they were primarily about computer assisted film making, which was in its nascent period. Um, they really had focused on motion graphics and live action film and video production. Um, they actually created uh, the first, uh, they were the first integrated computer assisted production process in Hollywood. Uh, they created uh, famously, their, their most famous mark was they created the opening titles for Superman in 78. You know, the, oh. the 3D-ish yeah. thing, awesome. right? Uh, awesome. That that work got them more work, right? Trailers, special effects, and promotions for films like Alien and Ghostbusters. And of course, they worked with the 100 optical effects uh, in Xanadu. There are 18 people listed in the credits for the effects team for the film. So 100 optical effects done by 18 people. Uh, not a big crew, gang. Like if you're you know, trying to pull something off, right? $20 million budget for this film. Uh, and where it is on screen, you, you got me. Because uh, you don't, <laughs> you really kind of don't see it. Okay, so, so what, what do we have then, right? We've got newbies trying to realist newbies trying to make a mythical stew uh we have an untested effects house in a now very heated uh post star wars world right industrial light and magic world so they're kind of a startup house of their mm -hmm. own and they obviously don't really know what they're doing um we've got great music we've got solid dance sequences from kenny ortega uh and his partner we have an outstanding animated segment from don bluth's company We've got good lighting, decent mise-en-scene, right? right. Not to forget a beautiful soundstage for the Xanadu Club interior, which was a million dollars to build it. It began, took them three months to build. They got 237 performers uh, uh, <laughs> to be in the Xanadu segment. Uh, unfortunately, um, we don't get that scale. We don't see it. You know, when, when, when I was reading this, I was like, hold on a second. It was this big and there were that many people like, but because of the filmmakers backgrounds, what we're presented with are very tight, tight, right? Mm -hmm. We don't go wide. We don't go bit, you know, crane or overheads. There's some steady cam work in here to keep up with the roller skating stuff, but that's very sparse as well, mm -hmm. but it's very tight and low and it doesn't, it makes you do this, you know, it's just like, I mean, where it should be like, you know, spreading your arms out. just like, Jesus Christ, this place is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, look at all this stuff. Um, it just, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't come that glamor that, that Gene Kelly is fantasizing about in the film with, um, with, with the young fella character, you know, they're fantasizing. There's a great sequence where they're like, Gene Kelly sees it as the forties. And then the kid sees it as the eighties. And they do this really cool thing where the choreography, it blends the song's mm -hmm. called dance. And it's a B side, by the way, if anyone wants to look it up uh, that uh, one side's like rock and roll and one side's like forties. And at one point they do this really great, like two songs literally come together and the stages come together. It's a really beautiful segment, you know, uh, that actually works. And uh, a, a production team to make these kind of films, and, and you, I know you can speak to this professionally as well. It's just like, you got to have the right production team in place, right? Who, who understand or have experience in the type of film you're trying to make. And, and that, that terra firma was not here, you know? Um, and, and, and unfortunately the effects house, they tried their best 
and there's one sequence in the film I'm talking about and everyone, this is the one people love shitting on, you know, where he goes through the wall and into the void of, I guess, the gods is right. how I, how I imagine, you know, and, and yeah, it, it looks like TV special of the week grade, you know, backlighting and, and Tron's, I know Tron was being worked on at the time and they were trying to do like that, that black, black light backlight, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of draw everything in, you know, with, with neon and it, you know, it works a little bit sometimes in the film early, but, but overall, when you get to that sequence, it just, they were just so outmatched by their, you know, the ambition of it, just, they couldn't, they couldn't rise to that, to that level that they needed to, but they did try, you know, and, and, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed thinking about that and enjoyed thinking about, you know, well, well, damn it, at least they tried. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I and trust me, I've seen much worse, much <laughs> worse in, in you know, studio films, especially like so. But but so so overall, though, I, I look at Xanadu through a historical lens and I just see it as a missed opportunity by creative people who were a little bit in over their heads. Well, I think that's fair. Um, I think, you know, you did. A, that's wonderful to hear the assembly of sort of misfit toys right all put on this island and and um i agree with you that i think you can point to those things as being the the major kind of flaws in the you know and how it um how it ended up as a as as an end product Mm -hmm. um and i think part of why it remains so iconic jeff is because we haven't really had anything like it since no that that it's a completely original concept yeah yeah i mean it's It's a great original concept it was and gene kelly pointed to that right i mean just talking about how it was just a really fantastic concept um but just the execution of it doesn't always work for everybody Yeah, yeah yeah trying to mash the current time period with the past time period you know, and uh, uh, make that, make it happen, you know, in, in other words. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I tend to avoid, rightly or wrongly, I tend to avoid um, people who shit on this movie, right? Um, because uh, as someone who deeply loves this movie, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not incapable of seeing those flaws like i know that they're there you know but part of part of acknowledging those seems to be letting some of the magic go of what Mm -hmm. i'm trying to sort of get sucked into you know which is this uh sort of modern mythical world uh uh where women can come to life uh <laughs> off of a off of a wall a mural, uh, and, yeah. and 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 uh and and become your you know your inspiration for um really finding your purpose in life um uh and i i think there's such a celebratory tone to the movie yes yes there's such a bittersweet uh longing for that gene kelly big band era mm-hmm of the forties, but then also such a welcoming em- embrace of the newness of the, you know, uh, of the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. uh, style where you're starting to see, 
um, the carryovers, you know, and the yes. influencers of, of the generations. Well, you've got, you've got like people with like blue and red punk rock hair and uh, uh, which was interesting. Uh, and then you've got like uh, with their costume design, like they did these like really wild zoot suit suits, you know, for like, the I know it's, guys. It's, it's so cool. I mean, they got like these, these, the wallet chains are like, comically large like they just yes. look like a looney tune loop it, they just work so well though and i can i can see how the choreographers were just having a field day going oh God, yeah. so much with this like yeah um so it's i i think that there's there's that uh there is that magical uh tone to it um that still i think still exists and of course you know you and i regardless of whether we shit on something, we, we always encourage everybody, you know, if you haven't seen it, you should see it, you know, you should experience it, you know, you should form your, your own opinions about it. Well, we are, uh, we're two lonely PhDs. We're, uh, we just got done talking about Xanadu, uh, from 1980 directed by we keep talking about Robert Xanadu. I mean, I, we, no, we, no, <laughs> I, 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 we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move the train along. Uh, we, we'll reserve more Xanadu talk for discord and, uh, also for just, uh, when you and I are uh, kicking back a few, uh, we're going to go. put the soundtrack on and just, uh, go to town. There you go. Um, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Uh, Dr. Watson this week uh, watched the uh, recently released Prey directed by Dan Trachtenberg. And I will now just open the floor by just saying, what the hell is this movie? Well, uh, Prey is a prequel to a very successful Predator action franchise that was born in the, you know, in the 80s. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the original um, and it spawned several sequels since. They've also combined the franchise with the Alien franchise. Um, it's my understanding that, that that sort of crossover happened in the comics world and then was then translated into cinematic form in a couple of sequels. Um, I did actually go back after watching Prey and watch the other two movies in the franchise that I had not seen. So uh, there's Predators, and then there's also Shane Black did uh, did one called The Predator in 2018. So they've they've been they've been trying to you know tinker with this franchise for for a while, and and to you know I guess uh, keep it going, uh, keep it still still relevant. So on paper, Jeff Prey is just a fantastic concept, right? I mean. Love the idea of taking it back uh, 300 years. You know, we're in the 18th century um, and uh, we're in the great American plains. Uh, and so we're, we're looking at the Comanche nation. This is a tribe uh, that is, uh, you know, just trying to, <laughs> to live. Right. Um, but they encounter the predator who is, you know, this, this alien hunter that, for sport or for um, bragging rights, even if you will, uh, this alien travels from you know world to world and 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 on occasion visits Earth and tries to take on the you know the um, uh, the most um, how should I say this uh, the the equal right uh, the 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 person who is uh, uh, going to be the best match to fight against right the alpha. wants to take on the alpha right the toughest the baddest thank you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, why not take it back to, you know, indigenous times and, and, uh, and, and have the story be about, uh, you know, a Comanche warrior 
battling uh, this this alien uh, hunter, right? What could go wrong? Uh, and, and I will say that um, one of the things that excited me the most about this, Jeff, was the fact that um, I would get to see, um, you know, a lot of indigenous faces, bodies. Um, we would get a story that was, you know, I was very thrilled to discover that um, Hulu, where the movie is, is streaming, also has a Comanche language version and I would encourage everybody to watch that version um, because it's really stupid to hear Comanche actors speaking in English. Um, and I, it just doesn't, you know, it, to get into that world building, right. you really need to listen to it in, in that language. So, so is it is it like through SAP, you know, where you just go and you pick the language or is there a literal like they did the lines in Comanche? Yeah. So you have to choose the the Comanche version. There's there's three different versions that you can click on to play. Oh, wow. Um, OK. Yeah. And um, and uh, at first I watched the English version and then I went back and I did not know that an alternate version exists. So viewers, when you go there, you have to click on you know, more info. And then when you click on more info, they show you like mm -hmm. the different uh, languages that you can, that you can watch it in. So the second viewing was a little better than the first because it felt more authentic because I was mm -hmm. constantly taken out of it going, these, these, these people would not be speaking English. This is really a travesty. Right. So, so if you want to, you know, if you want to watch it in just standard English, you can, but I would encourage you to watch the other version. So my, my issue with this, Jeff is not, really anything other than we're in the realm of science fiction. And so uh, what doesn't work for me is you have uh, a Comanche female Comanche warrior who's trying to sort of prove herself to the tribe and prove her status as the alpha, like, like, you know, she's capable of being the alpha and the, the hunter mm -hmm. and the protector, you know, of the, of the tribe really completely wrapped up in that storyline. It was very riveting, but when you get to, the battles that's where it just doesn't work for me it goes off the mm. rails because you know she's fighting with uh, wood axes and and you know mm -hmm. tree stumps and you know just uh, spears and all of this sort of uh you know weaponry of the of the day but mm -hmm. the, the the predator has got you know laser guided bombs and and you know it's, it's you know this is alien technology he's got a shield that can block everything mm -hmm. it's just it it really falls into the realm of I don't buy this because because mm -hmm. it's science fiction, and you, you know I just I didn't buy the fact that she alone would be able mm -hmm. to take him out. Um, now, if if well, if they had no, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. So my question then is: Is that like so? The original Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's directed by John McTiernan, mm -hmm. who's big time action director. Yes. You know, but same problems right like we it's still the same problems of it's just like even though you know this is an elite commando team with like machine guns and grenades and shit it's still outmatched technology right but there's something about the hardware matching the hardware that that plays a little bit differently in mm -hmm. Schwarzenegger's version. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that he beats the predator in the first one. He just kind of comes to a draw more or less. Uh, come on, so come speak. on, come right. and get me. 
right, right here. Um, whereas in this one, it's a clear cut victory. And I, it, I just, I, I personally had, I was just like, Oh, come on. Like, I just, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't buy it. Um, if they had told this as a non-science fiction, like if you remove the predator component and you tell this story of Nauru, the, the, the Comanche warrior, who's trying to, to mm-hmm. prove her status as an alpha and she has to fight a bear or so, you know, something that like, like that, then it's just as good of a movie. It mm-hmm. still works and it makes for a more believable, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, of, of ending that will resonate. If you wanted to keep it in the predator science fiction realm, like they did, it would have been more believable for me if she had gone back and led the whole tribe against mm-hmm. him where it's, you know, 30 on one. And, and, and then I'm like, okay, that, that, that's feasible. That, that might've worked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this dude takes out like a whole regiment of French settlers who are just, you know, awful, awful, you know, white French settlers, of course, uh, colonialism, of course. right? That's Absolutely. Great. That's very much there. And, and it's realistic, you know, but it's like, it's just, you know, he just instantly takes all of them out. And so there is this kind of mystical magical uh kind of presence that we oftentimes um place on indigenous characters right and i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that that's not fair or or um hey we didn't create cinema history we we really didn't (laughs) so so you know i mean uh i i just i appreciated the story of female empowerment i appreciated the indigenous representation and um, I really, really liked uh, certain parts of it. I thought that some of it worked very well. Uh, the most interesting stuff to me was the, you know, the exposure to the Comanche culture and the the ways that they um, interacted and the ways that they lived and off the land. And I mean, that that stuff to me was probably the most fascinating. Mm-hmm. But uh, but when it got into the science fictiony stuff, I was like, okay, I'm 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 stretching my my suspension of disbelief here quite a bit just because they're so outmatched and it's like okay at least one-to-one i'm not sure i buy it but if she if it had been written where she went back and rallied the whole tribe and the whole tribe took it on as a Mm -hmm. as a you know as a unified effort then i'm like okay that that would have you know that would have been believable for me um but other than that i mean i think it's a it's a decent prequel. Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, certainly it's a great concept. Um, and I liked um, that. I, I liked the way it was executed in certain ways. It was just that ending stuff that I was like, mm, 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 you lost me here. But if I were going to say, hey, uh, you should enter the Predator franchise, I think it's very cool to say start with this one and then mm-hmm. you know move on to so, so it works. In mm-hmm. that respect. So I would just, at the end of the day, I'd say Prey is a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good mm-hmm. movie. And, um, and it is faithful uh, to, uh, to the original, you know, sort of conception of the, of the, of the alien, of the beast. Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, and, it, and, and it has some really nice sequences that are done really well. Um, but that's just, it was that, that, that ending that just, no, didn't, didn't, didn't do it for me. As far as the the character of the Predator too, you know, this is, again, all this is really is just a, a swapping of, you know, the most dangerous game, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, you, you know, introducing an alien element into it instead of it being man hunting man, it's alien hunting man. Right. Um, you know, the, the thing about 
this this franchise to me and even the you were talking earlier about the comic books yes dark horse once again they seem to own at one point like every license known to man they owned predator aliens star wars and again they they brought in very talented people and you know really kept really created the mythology mm-hmm. you, you know of, of everything but you know to me the the, the predator and the aliens stuff it just after a while i just sit there and go you know well again you know the unkillable hunter you know it, it, it's just like how do you how do you retell this story you know how i mean how do you yeah. respin it yeah i mean and 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 i think that uh to for, for me jeff and i'm just speaking personally mm-hmm. the offshoots you know the avp movie and the alien versus predator requiem movie and you know those movies don't work for me. They're, they're, no. they're, just, they're just not very good. And, um, uh, and uh, I, I think the original predator uh, matched with this one as a prequel. Mm. And then also I would include predator too, because at least I liked what they did with that one in the sense that they put him in an urban environment yes. in the city of Los Angeles. And, you know, against, uh, you know, where that's a totally different, you know, environment to put that, uh, that kind of character or trope in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I think Predator 2 is interesting. But beyond that, I I think you're right, it becomes really formulaic and not very interesting, in my opinion, even even the Predators uh, movie from like 2010, it, you know, it's Adrian Brody and it's, you know, it's set. Was that the drop, Rodriguez film? Yeah they, they, Rodriguez? yeah. they drop these people off in, on a planet, they're prisoners and they drop them off on a planet. That's the gag. Um, and that's yeah. the gag. And then everything else is just formula, you know, formula yeah. from there. But, um, uh, but it doesn't put the predator in a different context, you know, it's still, mm-hmm. uh, it's still in the wild, so to speak, but yeah, what what do you do with it? I mean, you, you know, you just you have to change either the context or the environment in which the mm-hmm. alien appears, and then you change the the uh, the the character of what the predator is up against. You know, and that's really mm-hmm. the the only really things that you can really tinker with in the formula. In 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 my opinion, I mean, throwing in the 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 aliens from the the alien franchise just gives you two alphas you know to i mean it's like i i, I don't know it, it it tries to change the you know who's the who's the hunter and who's the prey when you get into those right. kinds of movies but it, it just didn't do anything for me i was just like mm-hmm. okay i mean i i was fine with aliens on their own mm-hmm. um and i was fine with predator on their own i i didn't necessarily need them to cross over but um mm-hmm. you know so that that kind of stuff doesn't work for me but prey doesn't Prey doesn't do that. It 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 sticks with its origin material and it's it's faithful to that concept to a certain extent. Um, mm-hmm. You know that that it's allowed to do. And Trachtenberg is fine. I mean, it's it's just a good movie. It's a little cinematography is a little dark at times. Um, like it's just really low light in sections, and so yeah. uh, sometimes people say, "Oh, that's done for effect," and then other times I go, "Well, maybe it's no. just didn't have the budget." Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it is possible, you know, to light this thing, especially it's all, I'm assuming it's all outdoors and, it is. you know, yeah, good luck. <laughs> and they're shooting mostly, you know, I mean, some outdoors, but mostly in studios and, and, and warehouses. And, uh, and a lot of it is, is, uh, you know, is, is CGI'd and, and, um, and, and is the predators CGI'd or is they go, did they go full makeup effect? 
No, it's CGI'd. Uh, oh, that's there's motion capture kind of stuff. Um, the effects, yeah. uh, the effects were okay. I mean, you know, the original when when the original came out. Ooh, that Stan Winston man is just yeah, I mean, amazing. Yeah, we were all like, "Holy shit, this is like you know wacky." Um, when that mask came look, off, you yeah. were just like, "Holy moly!" I mean, it was very believable, you know. Yes. So the effects in this, uh, you know, are I would say mid tier. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not overwhelming. They don't invent anything new. It's 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 all kind of what you've seen before mm-hmm. in the franchise. You know, he can he can go invisible. Uh, you know, he's got his infrared. Um, you know, and he's got all of his arm missiles and his laser guided stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, he can, uh, he's it, got a it, shield. He can fly through the air and this kind of stuff. It's, it's, is this a fan service movie? I, I mean, yeah, I think, I, I think that, um, <clears throat> this was a way for them to reinvigorate the franchise mm-hmm. and, um, maybe tease out introduce the story to maybe a new fan base maybe a younger fan base maybe a more 2022 fan base mm-hmm. that's more woke i guess um mm-hmm. you know uh certainly um with the female being the you know the uh, the alpha that the predator fights so all of that stuff is fine great concept i just uh, be careful of the hype you know because it mm-hmm. it's it's a really interesting movie until you get to the third act and that's where i i got you know kind of turned away from it because I just I just didn't buy it um, yeah. um, in the way that it played out. I didn't I didn't buy it. So. So, yeah, well, I think it's a shame. You know, you get you get you've got this, uh, you know, property that you can literally take it anywhere in the universe, because this is again, this is an evolved species who have been created interstellar travel. And obviously they have like scientists and that's that's i guess that's what's always frustrated me about the predator franchise is that it's just like it always just comes back like you said to the basic cat and mouse game and i'm like but what about the predators like as a species what the hell does that place look like like what (laughs) you know i mean is it like do you know do they have like a uh, 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 like a, a government, a tribunal? Is there right. like, you know, what, right. what's the power structure of this place? It's just like, there's so much more infinitely fascinating things to explore here, but yet it's just always going to be exactly what you saw in Prey. Right, right. And, and, that, and it's those science fiction elements, Jeff, that, you know, that 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 catch up with the story um, and, and you can get away with it maybe with one film or, or, or two films, but if you're going to keep doing the story, you're going to have to explore mm-hmm. that whole world. Um, you know, um, I, I, I saw something I posted in the discord about um, maybe doing a samurai versus the predator. Saw that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I was like, okay, I mean, sure. I mean, we could go through history and do this whole thing, right? But why not do um, a human that lands accidentally on the predator's home world or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, how does that individual survive or like you know, a, uh, like a uh, John Carter situation. Right. Right. No. Um, or, uh, or I guess in, in, in to fast forward, you know, DC comics is listening. Uh, Adam strange, you know, the Z beam right like yeah yeah i mean it's 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 just it i i think that um that that's the that's therein lies the struggle is how do you evolve it 
out of that basic formula without irritating uh, the the fan base that is that is expecting those kinds of uh, those kinds of formulas to play out. Um, you know, I just why not have her steal more of his technology, right? And fight him with his own. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. there there just isn't that exploration, you know. And so um, it, do, like it, I said, does, it doesn't necessarily sound like plot holes, but it definitely no. sounds like just lazy, basically like lazy plotting. Like, I mean, I hate you know, to call it that, but 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 yeah, it's it's. I don't know if they were just very scared to to try too much stuff. Maybe they didn't mm-hmm. have the budget for all those kinds of things or effects mm-hmm. or whatnot. But um, you know, they they were story elements that I think could have propelled it into being a great prequel as opposed to just being well, that's good. You know, I mean, it's entertaining. It's yeah. it's got some stuff to it that's that's you know attractive and and I liked a lot of what they changed. But again, I I tell you. <laughs> If you tell this story and it's just just take the science fiction element out of it and you make it an indigenous story about a woman trying to prove her worth as a warrior to her clan tribe um, and she has to fight the huge grizzly bear, it's just as compelling of a movie and even makes it more mm-hmm. compelling because it's believable. You know, I, it's, it's just believable. I mean, Maybe. all this predator had to do was drop a bomb. <laughs> Right. You know, it's got it and it's done. You know, well, actually, and, and, we know and, also we know uh, from the Schwarzenegger Predator movie that it has basically a nuclear device on itself. Correct. It can just self-destruct and blow correct. up like miles correct. around. Correct. I mean, that's the that's the gag at the end of Schwarzenegger's Predator. Yes. like it starts laughing yes. like like Schwarzenegger's just like, yeah, uh, yeah. just sounds just, lazy. Right. Well, you can contact us a uh, number of ways these days uh, you can uh, go over to our discord which there's a link to it in our show notes over there we post all kinds of supplemental materials keep things going fun gifts eh, it's just a good time at the movies you know over there on our discord uh, you can reach out to us through email uh, lonelyphds at gmail.com that's l-o-n-e-l-y-p-h-d-s at gmail dot com and of course this show this here show you just got done listening to uh is available for download through every known podcatcher known to man although i will uh make our uh, our weekly plea uh please uh subscribe to the show through whatever podcatcher that you're going through uh rate and review the show because that helps us out and figuring out uh future programming endeavors uh and yeah so uh, i'm dr jeffrey hayes I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.